We're back on the Eastern Target Archery Podcast and my special guest, Secretary General of the World Archery Federation, Tom Dielen. Tom, thanks for joining us from Lausanne, Switzerland. Pleasure as always, uh, George. Tom, there's a lot to talk about with uh, outdoor season, hopefully just around the corner. Bruce calls busy in Yankton this weekend as we speak. Uh, it's a bit chilly there, but they're running their first big event uh, since September, which is the Rushmore Rumble. That's taking place at the Eastern Archery Center in Yankton. And uh, something on the order of 800 people for that. Neem took place, um, a reduced Neem, but still a Neem with streaming video. Everything looked great there. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, I must say, uh, Olivier and his team did a fantastic job. Uh, everyone I talked to that was there was really impressed. Uh, like you said, the, the images look great. The setup, he did a fantastic job with, with what he had. Uh, the athletes uh, that were able to be there were all uh, very pleased. We're also very happy that now that we passed, I would say, uh, some days, uh, we can also uh, say that, uh, that as far as we know, there has been no... Uh, any contamination of the people that were there. Now, uh, apparently the French Federation had some challenges with their Olympic selection afterwards, but I was not linked with uh, people that were in him. So, um, no, uh, really a great job by, uh, by, by Nîmes, as we know it, and uh, very happy that uh, Bruce can run a tournament uh, this weekend in Yankton. We are pleased for, for two reasons. First of all, that uh, the U.S. archers can have a, a major event uh, uh, endorsed and and second uh, that uh, it also gives us confidence that uh, we'll be able to run the world championships there later on the year. Yes, absolutely, and I think that that is um, you know a point that Bruce had made from the previous events that he ran. There were no indications of any problems, and I think that's a testament to the precautions that are being taken and people's common sense. So that's that's all very positive, and we have some things to look forward to, um, although. You know, I think a year ago when we were having a discussion about uh, this um, in Vegas, in fact, uh, the it never occurred to us that we could be in the current circumstances. Nobody foresaw the scope and magnitude of what we've been dealing with for the past year. So everything has been quite fluid and everything has been very, um, shall we say, tentative in the last few months because we realized that circumstances might create a situation where we can't do the things that we planned to do. But here's what we've got planned. A big year of World Cup events besides the Olympic Games, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, 15th year of the World Cup. Um, now, the World Cup was canceled in 2020 because of the pandemic. But mm -hmm. this year, we've got stages scheduled in two new places, as well as uh, an old standby. And so let's talk about that a bit. Guatemala oh, um, you know, is, is the first of the, of the stages that's scheduled. Yeah, so, so Guatemala, is, is, Guatemala City is the first one. And uh, I would say participation uh, based on the preliminary entries looks good. Um, we, we have, uh, as, as I would say, with all events, I would say it's a question of adapting to the situation. So uh, we will have to have certain measures in place. We expect the event to be run without public. Um, all athletes and, and anyone going will have to do a PCR test upon arrival. Uh, most of them will have to do the same upon departure. Uh, we will have um, 
people staying uh, in a kind of a bubble uh, while they're there. So um, the measures will, will be strict, but uh, we should be able to run a, a good World Cup uh, event in, in uh, Guatemala. And, and then, the dates for uh, that are the uh, 19 through 25 of April. Now, just before yeah. that, Bruce is going to be holding a Vegas championship final with up to 800 people in Las Vegas. So there could be an opportunity for people to go from that event in Las Vegas to outdoor season relatively quickly. Yeah, I, I think it's an option for some. Um, and, and I know that, for instance, the ones uh, in the U.S. will have to rush back also to get uh, ready for their uh, next uh, stage of the trials for the Olympics. Yes. So it, it's it's going to be this. This is going to be the, the the thing this year. It's going to be a really busy calendar. Let's face it. Uh, the, we we more or less packed uh, two years into one year. Uh, there have been luckily some events moved a year back, but still it is going to be a very very crowded calendar. So people yeah, will yeah. have to make choices. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Olympic year calendars usually are pretty busy uh, by any standard. And now it's even more so. Everything is very packed. So as you say, choices are good, but you're going to have to make some because it's not going to be possible to do everything. Um, you know, especially if they, a you know, a quarantine might be required for some things or testing might be required for some things. Coordination of these things is going to have to be uh is going to have to be done pretty uh, carefully. So it's good for people to start planning right now and start picking and choosing. And the next event after Guatemala City, back on the subject of the World Cup, is going to be Shanghai, um, which has been uh, the host for, it'll be something on the order of 16 years running now. Yeah, and, and okay, and Shanghai, I must say, uh, based on, I would say, what we know today is, is out of the three uh, stages, uh, the one, and then I, I I must say, I, 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 was, I was thinking exactly the opposite uh, six months ago, uh, but today it is the, the one that is the most uh, at risk uh, as such being a stage. We're discussing with authorities in, in China, and, and the issue is that there is a, at the moment a mandatory uh, quarantine for people uh, going to, into China. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, unless we find a solution there, we don't see it as realistic to have the stage there, then the options we might have is that it might, as we had planned for last year, become uh, uh, the, the final for the year because we, we definitely want to have an event in China because it's, it's very good for, uh, for TV and for our sponsors. Uh, and, and they can organize very well the event. So, so it's, I would say everything fits together to do it in Shanghai. Now, what we have already uh, as a plan B is to have it somewhere else. I'm not going to say where, but we have a plan B in case we can't have it in Shanghai and on the same date. So uh, we, we have a backup option if it doesn't take place, but there is a risk that it doesn't take place. Naturally. Then, then, and, and those dates, by the way, are the 17th through 23rd of May. Yeah. And then uh, there is the, 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 the final stage. And then I would say probably... The, the biggest event of the year in, in participation outdoor, which will be the, the Paris World Cup, because it's, it's actually two events. It's a little bit different than, than four or eight years ago, is that uh, the final stage is also the final qualifier for the Olympic Games, but it will be run as two separate events. So we will first have the uh, qualifier for the Olympic Games with only the countries that are still looking for team or individual places, and then we will have 
the World Cup stage as we know it. Uh, and um, there as well, uh, we, we're making good progress with uh, the, the French Federation and the Paris organizers. But again, there, it's very likely that there will be a, a bubble approach and no public, which is a real shame knowing that in Paris, we could have had easily uh, five to 10,000 spectators. Uh, but unfortunately, um, with the current, uh, I would say, restrictions in place, uh, this, this is not going to be possible. So we, we, for us, the priority is to have the event because of, for obvious reasons, that we need a final qualifier for the Olympic Games, and uh, and we have we need the World Cup uh, uh, stage as well. So we are working with them, and there might be, I would say, a, a different approach than had been planned. Uh, meaning the finals could perhaps be at the same venue as as the as the qualification uh, and the eliminations, but uh, we will see how it evolves. So who knows? We can only have good news. I would say. Absolutely. Paris uh, is scheduled for June 22nd through the 27th, and things will turn around pretty quickly uh, from there for Tokyo. And, um, you know, it, it really leaves only about um, a little, a little over, uh, a little under, I should say, a month uh, before the Olympic Games themselves start. So that gives countries the time to process whatever they learn from the Paris finals select their final team members in some cases and uh, send people to Tokyo. Um, maybe before we talk about the World Cup final, which is up in the air from the standpoint of both the date and the venue. Well, I shouldn't say the date. I, I think I should say the venue. Because we, I we think you're looking at early September, right? Date, but we have a preliminary date, but, but okay, uh, we are flexible uh, on it as such. And and like I said, we were definitely looking of of, uh, of China, and, and okay, we have we have some other uh, uh, I would say um, uh, ideas on where it could be, uh, but um, uh, our, our preferred option at the moment, if we cannot do Shanghai stage, then our preferred option definitely would be to do the final there. So um, the the next focus of after after Paris, of course, is going to be. Yumenoshima Park Archery Field in Tokyo, which I know you've been practicing your pronunciation. <laughs> Absolutely. Dream Island yeah. works fine for me, you know. <laughs> you know, Dream Island probably works best of all. I'm sure that uh, the commentators on NBC or whatever will say Dream Island rather than try to pronounce it in Japanese. But, um, you know, we've got uh, uh, a lot of countries preparing for this. Uh, the Archery Department in Tokyo 2020 working toward this and the Paralympic Games themselves. We have uh, all kinds of expectations for Tokyo. Um, President Bach, I guess, is going to be visiting Tokyo again in the next few days. There's been some um, politics and some other stuff going on, but we don't need to touch on that so much as just to talk about uh, our sport and how it, uh, how it seems to be shaping up from your perspective. What does it look like right now? Well, it, it looks, I would say, from a pure sport point of view, very good. Um, Yuko, uh, who is the, our sports manager for Archie, has done a fantastic job uh, in, with our team to prepare for it. Uh, I think uh, that from a sports point of view, everything is going in the right direction. Sebastian Flute, our, our uh, technical delegate, is following up with her uh, on, a, I would say, a daily basis. And, and so I think from... Uh, all the things we had to improve from the test events, uh, most of them are, are ticked off. So um, 
we're going, I would say, in the right direction. The, the, the main challenge has been that so far we haven't been able to go back to Tokyo to check on where the preparations are. So we're, uh, I would say, a little bit dependent on, on, on getting reports through uh, Zoom, uh, WebEx and all the others. Uh, but um, based on what we know, it's going in the right direction. What has been very, uh, I would say, good in the last uh, 10 days is that some clarity is coming uh, from uh, Tokyo IOC and, and uh, uh, organizing committee on what they call the playbooks. Uh, the playbooks is uh, basically the measures they are putting in place for uh, all the stakeholders involved. The most important one, of course, being the athletes and, and their team uh, officials. And, and I think uh, what is clear is, and, and I think it's going to be a very different kind of Olympics than, than what people have been used to for the ones that have been going to Olympics. I think it's going to be uh, for the first time since a long time, a sports event. And uh, this might sound strange to people uh, listening to it, but it will really be only about sport. Uh, meaning the athletes will arrive um, in Japan will or go straight to the Olympic village or will go to a preparation camp and then to the village. And it will really be village, venue, venue, village. And then when it's over and, and there also there is a, a big change. And uh, I think for the ones that are winning, it's not so important, but for the ones that are not winning, it might be a little bit of a, a disappointment is that uh, two days after athletes are eliminated, they will have to go home. Right. Uh, so they do not stay till the closing ceremony or go and see other sports. Uh, it is basically you go there, you compete. Uh, the lucky ones, or I would say the best ones, win. Uh, and, uh, and unfortunately, uh, the other ones that are eliminated uh, early will have to go home. So it's going to be a different experience. Also, I think um, at Olympic Games, for people that have been there, uh, often when someone does a great performance, there is a lot of, I would say, uh, celebrations. Uh, uh, they, they have typically the, the U.S. house, the Italian house, the French house. The Holland house. <laughs> the Holland, the Holland house, not to mention a beer company. Uh, yeah. and, um, but those things, I think, are definitely not going to happen because um, the Japanese do not want to have any risks of clusters in the athlete community. And, and the same will apply for our technical officials. Uh, so the judges will be exactly the same. They will arrive five days before the event. Hotel, venue, venue, hotel. They cannot go outside for uh, dinner. Uh, they will have to eat in the hotel in a special room uh, where all the precautions will be in place. And um, there will be very less, very little social activities outside of the field of play and the competition. So this is something, it's going to be, you could say clinical, uh, but it's about the sport. And this is this is what Olympics in the end should be about. It's about sport. Uh, and uh, I think it will also allow everyone involved to, to put things back in perspective. One thing is for sure, it will be visible worldwide. Yes, and that's, at the end of the day, that's the second most important factor. Besides choosing our Olympic champions, will be the opportunity to once again showcase our sport for the vast majority of people who don't in person participate at the games as either a spectator or an official or an athlete. But for those billions of viewers 
around the world who get to watch this every four years and experience Olympism, experience our sport, specifically archery. And um, preserving that, I think, is really important on many levels. Um, yeah. You know, so, so many uh, Olympic programs around the world are so dependent on the, and I'll just say it, the revenue from the games. Without that, we don't have the structure in most places to support archery, not to mention all the other sports um, right. and, and those life-changing exactly. things that it brings. No, absolutely. I, I think I, we've come to a point that I would say for, for I would say all archery, we know we can survive till Paris. I don't see, um, I would say there will be there would be challenges as if we would ever come in that situation that there wouldn't be Tokyo. And, and I want to be clear, as far as I can see today, the, the chances of that are very slim. I, I strongly believe uh, that Tokyo will take place. But in case it is, I don't see World Archery as, as a victim of, of it not taking place. However, for our national governing bodies, for uh, many of the programs that give money to the athletes, there would be many, many, many issues. And, and this is uh, uh, something uh, that, that is, of course, a concern. You mentioned one of the things you said, spectators. This is the only, I would say, really unknown factor at the moment. Um, they have said that they will make a decision uh, in March. Um, I think, um, as far as I know, vaccination is arriving in Japan these days as well. Um, so I think that will be a factor. Um, we will see uh, how it goes, but my guess is that spectator capacity at best will be reduced. Uh, more likely will be that uh, it will be very hard as international spectator to go and watch the games. Yeah, and I think that we anticipated that and expected that, but to still have the event, because let's face it, most people experience the Olympics on television. Um, you know, we'll, we'll still have that. And maybe, you know, arguably it'll be the same experience, um, maybe without the wide crowd shots, but I, you know, I, I watched American football the other day, you know, the, the big final game of American football and, and they had a very vastly reduced crowd. You, you couldn't tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't that much of an element. The game itself was the element, just like what I think will happen on the field of play for our sport is going to be the most important thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, we will have a new set of Olympic champions. We'll have, excitingly, new Olympic champions in the mixed team category, which is something that's super for our sport. More medals is tremendous. Uh, new team champions. And I think that uh, we're going to be very relieved. When and we, in, the men, uh, in the men we are sure we also have a new Olympic champion because the defending Olympic champion is out of the Korean selection. So... For the yeah, men, amazing. have a new champion for sure. Yeah, yeah. Amazingly, um, you know, the the champion from Rio uh, only managed to be about 50th with a score that would be first in almost any other country. It's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, Korea is still going strong. Um, you know, the social media of folks like Ojin Hyuk shows that they're still working hard. Uh, oh, yeah. Takahara Murakawa in Japan, by the way, uh, is... A, uh, a new parent, he and his wife. Yes, I think that was one of the, the interesting news uh, of, of this week. And also, I would say, Ojiniek, you mentioned him. Well, he shot uh, in the Indoor World Series uh, this morning, and he shot 5.99, so he's <laughs> definitely in shape. 
Yeah, no doubt. And and everybody was talking about him retiring by this time. So uh, that is no that is no uh, that is no easy score. Five ninety nine out of six hundred from Ojin Hyuk. And uh, I, I guarantee you, he probably did that with his outdoor setup. He probably didn't shoot aluminum arrows for that. Remarkable stuff. Well, Tom, um, obviously, it's not just the Olympic Games that makes 2021 a crowded calendar. The Paralympic Games, of course, which, you know, arguably um, being later in the year, uh, it's hard for us to talk about right now. But I think we can count on many of the same restrictions being in place by that point. Um, you know, with Japan not even talking about normal tourism to resume until next year. Uh, I imagine that the Paralympic Games, especially with the sensitivity of some of the athlete participants in the Paralympics to, uh, to things like this, I think that we'll probably see similar steps in place, won't we? Absolutely. I would say the, the playbooks uh, are basically made for both games. And, uh, and on top of it, uh, like you said, uh, for Paralympics and for Paralympic athletes, which is, I would say, a risk group uh, from a medical point of view as such, um, uh, the restrictions might be even tougher um, because um, uh, there is even more uh, of a risk factor uh, for their health. So um, there, there will be uh, the same, if not uh, more restrictions for the Paralympics. And um, and also there, we, we, we already had to make one change to qualification system because the, the European qualifier, which were the European championships, have been cancelled. So um, those will now take place in conjunction with the final qualifier in, in Novemesto in, in July. And, uh, you know, to that point, um, sadly, this past week, we lost uh, the Japanese para-archer Yoshitsugu Naga of Japan. He passed away at the age of 60. He'd been hospitalized with... Um, you know, a, a separate illness. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was sad because if the games had gone on uh, in the original calendar, he, he may very well, well, he was qualified. So he would have competed. Yeah, not only that, as far as I remember, he even medaled at, uh, at the World Champs. Yes, uh, yes, he did in 2019 at the World Archery Para Championships in Netherlands. He, uh, he was part of the bronze medal winning mixed team. So uh, our condolences to the family of Mr. Naka. Absolutely, yeah. The, uh, the rest of the calendar, very busy. Um, we've got a world championship this year. Yeah, we have the world championship in Yankton. Uh, we have, um, we will have universiats in, in between the Olympics and Paralympics. We have uh, most of the continental championships as a result also of, of the move. So we have European Championships, uh, Pan American Championships. Now you might have seen there was an announcement on those uh, earlier this week as well. And, yeah. and uh, just to clarify on that, on that one is that there was a discussion to perhaps move them later in the same week as the European Championships. Now, uh, after discussion with them, there was a change and uh, basically they reduced the, the scope of the event for, for uh, the reasons of, 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 I would say, health restrictions. So the, the, the main part of it will remain the same dates, meaning the, um, the senior, uh, uh, the, 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 the regular championships uh, as such, um, and the para Pan American championships, because both are the qualifiers also for the Olympics, for the Americas. 
And then the part that was, uh, I would say, uh, could be moved, meaning the master's part and the youth part has been moved to another tournament in Medellin in, in, at the end of May. So I think a good compromise was found because the, the risk was if we moved the Pan American Championships was that it was coming to very close to uh, the Paris event. And we wanted to make sure that if for any reason someone that is uh, competing in the Pan American qualifier would not be stuck in quarantine uh, when he has to travel to Paris. And this right. is uh, one of the reasons where, why we, we found that, uh, I would say, uh, intermediate solution with the Mexican and Wallachia America Federation uh, to keep it the original days, but reduce the scope uh, of the event to, to concentrate on, on, I would say, uh, on the, the, the critical part. Uh, that doesn't mean that the other part is not important, but um, it is a question of, of managing the risk. And that this is, I would say, the day-to-day -day life now is it's a question of managing risks. Sure. I mean, let's understand the Pan American Championship is a very ambitious event because it combines everything, the seniors, the youth, the masters, and the para. And you get continental titles across all those age groups and all those categories in one event. So it's a big event. And, and uh, again, in, in deference to the current situation, the idea was that now in order to make this work, um, you're going to have to split off a couple of these categories. So the youth and the masters will be a uh, world ranking event that's been scheduled for May for Colombia. But uh, you'll have the yeah. recurve, the compound, the bare bow and the para in Monterey, which will be taking place on March 22nd through the 28th. And, and the important aspect of that is that that is the continental qualifier, the final, or I should say the the uh, it's the last continental qualifier for the Americas, of course, for Tokyo 2020 yeah. for the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games. And as you point out, super important to get that core functionality of that event accomplished, because that is the only chance that a lot of countries will have to send someone to Tokyo. A lot of countries are yeah, it's, it's, are eager for this. It is going to be it's going to be a, a very, I would say. Uh, I would say important tournament also from our point of view in terms that it gets things going. I, we will have uh, next week, we will have a, a para event in, in Dubai, uh, which will be the, the first, I would say, event since Antalya uh, in September last year. But, um, but, but the first, uh, I would say, big event will be uh, Monterey. And uh, we really want this to happen. And it's, I think, uh, going with the words of... of, of uh, Thomas Bach, the IOC president, is that we, we really need to show the world that events can take place. And uh, I think for us, Monterey is, is super important that this takes place end of March because that will really get things uh, going again or going uh, further than what we already have done. Because, okay, we have, we have had events. We've had uh, NIM, we had Santaria, but we really need now, uh, I would say, the, the bigger events with, with multiple countries. And, and we're also... Uh, making sure that uh, we, we have the necessary tools in place to decide um, if a competition is, is, I would say, valid or not, because we, we, we have to be realistic. Uh, there might be countries that will not be able to go to Monterey or to Antalya for the European qualifier or to Paris. And, and this is this is fact of, of, of the situation as we know it. But it's not because one or two countries cannot go that we will say, okay, it's no longer a qualifier because everyone 
has had the opportunity to qualify at least two occasions already because everyone has had the World Championships and a Continental Games. So everyone has already had two chances. Will they have a third and a fourth chance? That depends on many things, but we will try, of course. Any other observations before we close up, Tom, from the standpoint of uh, maybe some words of advice or encouragement for the shooters out there who are looking forward to get back into competition this year? Well, I think uh, we, we, we've seen some, some great things. I, I, one of the things that is very clear is that everyone is anxious to compete and, and the, the joy of people that have been competing, if it was at uh, the indoor world series online or the NIM event or the event we had in Lausanne, or I'm sure this weekend in, in, in Yankton with the Rushmore Rumble or uh, with uh, the online tournament um, they are doing with Belgium with the 60X isolation shoot or the ones they're doing in Japan or wherever in the world, everyone is, I would say, really, I would say, willing to compete and enjoys competing even more than in the past. So I think uh, if someone, um, I would say, is a little bit looking for motivation, there is ways to compete at the moment with, with all those tools that are in place. We will do um, an evaluation uh, after we finish the Indoor World Series uh, with the stages this weekend and with uh, the team file uh, end of this month. We will, uh, we will evaluate and see what we can do uh, for the future with these type of events. Um, we probably will not continue the way we're doing it now because it's taking a huge burden in terms of resources on us. But we, we think there is a, definitely something to, to do for the future like that. Because in the end of the story, we need to have people um, ready to compete and, and going to compete and at every level. And we've seen... I think with online tournament, we've been able to have people compete that normally would not take the effort to go and compete because they think they're not to the level to compete. And with the online, it worked. Yes, exactly. I think that, that the one maybe unexpected benefit of this situation that we've had is that you've had people participate at a world event that may never have been able to do so in normal circumstances. Thousands of people, in fact, uh, new shooters who may be inspired to take the sport for themselves to the next level. And so it's had that, in my opinion, a positive impact because it made people feel like, hey, you know what? I'm really part of the world archery community, not just my local club. And as a result, I think yeah, and, um, and, and, perhaps we'll have and, an unexpected and, and, and boom. Other, yeah, and also the other thing that, that is great is that, okay, we had you were competing with the OG X, with uh, Brady Ellison's, the... The, the Mike Schlesser's uh, of this world. So you could compete together with them, even if you're not the same place and definitely not the same level, uh, but you were able to do it. And, and what was really funny, uh, uh, one of the things I saw uh, last time, the last uh, stage we had was there was one person, and I don't know if it was just bad luck of his, of his internet connection or, or, or the fact that he, he, he tried it to keep it as much as possible, but there was one guy who, was, who had shot 30 on the first end and then no other score came. And, and so for a long time, he was first. Uh, <laughs> and this, this, is, this is, of course, a very funny situation. In the end, he didn't finish first. But, uh, but at least I, for a long time, he was in front of all the good archers in the world. Got his name on the top of the scoreboard. Exactly. 
Well, at the end of the day, everybody got a chance to be on the same scoreboard, as you pointed out, with Ojin Hyuk and Mike Schlusser and so many other great shooters. And uh, didn't have to get on a plane, didn't have to get on a train, and they were able to do their do their thing. And so, yeah, I think it'd be great if if this leads to two things. One, more shooters participating in WA events uh, in person. And two, some kind of solution that provides for greater participation through some other means that may be something similar, but without having you and your staff 18-hour days or more, you know. <laughs> I, I, I've been, I've been lucky challenge. so far, but I can tell you, uh, Thomas, Matteo, Andrea, for the ones that know them, uh, they have been, I would say, I don't need my two hands to count the number of hours they've slept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, a big a big thank you to those guys for for making it happen in, in difficult times because without that kind Absolutely. of effort and the infrastructure of uh, people like Mateo, with the things he's created, he and his team, uh, the work of people like Thomas in the office and uh, so many others helping to check scores and physically look at thousands and thousands of images to confirm scorecards and target faces. I mean, it's mind boggling the amount of work that everybody had to put in to make it happen. But uh, here we are. Uh, 5,000 people or more able to participate in what really I'd say is probably the single largest WA event in history from the standpoint of participants. Oh, definitely. There's no discussion. And, and also, we're very happy that uh, we had a good uh, solution filed for, for, for the Rushmore Rumble to, to be part of it. And uh, thank both uh, NFPA, Bruce, and uh, US Archery with Rob Menzer for the uh, for working together on this because I think it's 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 beneficial for the sport and uh, we really look forward to seeing the results um, uh, of the the Rushmore Rumble integrated into the the final uh, ranking uh, of the Indoor World Series. So this this will be very exciting. Tom, as springtime approaches and the events are headed toward us at higher and higher speeds, uh, we're looking forward to continuing to keep in touch with you on this and uh, get your latest developments. Uh, because I know that a lot of people are looking forward to um, what's happening with both the World Cup and, of course, the Tokyo Games. So as we uh, as we get more information, we'll be looking forward to talking to you some more. Tom Dillon, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, George. And now joining us on the podcast is our special guest, Stefan Hansen, multi-world champion, the uh, baby-faced assassin. Is that what you're going by these days, Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> I look a little older now. It's not really that often. Yeah, these times will age all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So um, we were talking with Tom Dillon, and he was talking about the exciting things with the World Cup being scheduled and some other events that are coming up. And, of course, uh, you are at Yankton right now at the first big event, the first in-person big event, I should say, uh, since September of 2000. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what it's like as a high-level archer finally getting back into the real world of archery it's it's kind of weird in the beginning like the first couple of ends feels a little bit strange just because actually more like right before you start the first couple of ends because you're like imagining how is it gonna go like how is your nerves gonna be but then when we started it it kind of just went back to normal it went it's it, I guess we would say it's like riding a bike. You don't really forget how to do it. It, it was just like getting all back to how all other tournaments was. Yeah. So, 
it just it felt back, just back to normal from the start, and I felt very comfortable actually. You know, it's interesting. I always um, have a little bit of butterflies before the scoring starts, and then I settle right in. Was it similar to that kind of feeling? Yeah, yeah. I was in some way. I was a little bit nervous of getting nervous. Like, oh like, yeah. Like imagining I was. Well, I was imagining that maybe I would get too nervous because, oh, now we are back and how is my shooting and how how am I under pressure? So I was kind of like fearing a little bit that I would get too nervous. But then when we started, it all kind of like went away and it could feel okay. I have everything under control, so nothing to worry about. Yeah, good. I would suggest that uh, the, the big thing that is going to be interesting is going to be the quick transition this year between indoor season and outdoor season because there's uh, there's going to be events like the Vegas final that I expect you'll be participating in. Um, oh, yeah. And then right after that, there's a series of outdoor events that, that you may or may not be planning on. Uh, can you tell us what your strategy is for getting ready for outdoor? Yeah, I don't really have much of a strategy in right now because in, in honestly, in this situation, it's hard to really plan anything because nobody really knows what will happen tomorrow or anything. So as right now, I basically just take like one competition after each other and then see what's happening. But I will most likely be just like practicing both in the same day. So when indoor and outdoor is kind of like back to back, I will maybe in the morning shoot a little bit of indoor and then in the afternoon shoot some outdoor just to like get the both get the same feeling for both because it is weird to change all the time because the distance, the aiming, the all kind of things, especially changing to outdoor after a long time of indoor. For sure. So, are you setting up two separate pieces of equipment for this purpose? Yeah, I, I probably will. Just to have a bow that is perfectly set up for indoor and one that is perfectly set up set up for outdoor, so I don't have to mess with anything. So, given the fact that you know, obviously, as you point out, that you know we can't be completely certain of any given calendar situation. What are your general plans for the springtime? Well, the, I'm a little bit in between right now because I. I like to shoot ASA a lot, and and I'm there is an ASA at the same time as Guatemala, so I'm kind of like trying to figure out which one I'm gonna shoot. Sure. And I I would like to so next in two weeks there is Foley the first ASA, and I kind of want to see how things go there, but then again I kind of miss shooting 50 meter because I didn't do it almost nothing last year and I didn't do it much the year before because I was focusing more on 3D, and I like to do the competitions that I want to shoot, not necessarily because it's the most money or whatever, but I, I, I kind of miss shooting 50 meters. So I might go to Guatemala just because of that, just because I want to shoot some 50 meter stuff and get, again. Yeah. So while we're on that subject, as you may know, WA is evaluating uh, the compound round right now. And one of the suggestions on the table has been to go to 60 meters for compound. How would you feel about that? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it would change too much. It would just make the scores a little bit different. For me, it would really. You just move the side a little bit over, and then you try to hit the middle anyway. I don't really, for my shooting and things like that, it doesn't really change anything crazy. It's just a little bit further shooting. So the scores will just, instead of there will be 40 guys above 700, there will just be a few guys maybe, or the scores will just be a little bit more separated, which could help some archers. The, the really good top archers will be separated a little bit more from from the more 
like mid-level archers the, the, the archers that might shoot a 750 meters might only shoot like a 690 on 60 meters where the top archers might only drop a few more points on 60 meters so I don't really know. It, it's it's hard to say. I, I don't think it will change that much for for the competition. It's all the same. It's just about to hit the middle all the time. You know, I think I agree with your your analysis there. I think what it will do is it will create more separation between shooters who are good but not great and the great shooters. Uh, you know, who are there at any given time. I think that's the separation will be a little greater. The um, the last thing I want to ask you uh, because I know you're catching me just before you're about to start shooting. Um, what advice would you have for average people who want to get back into competition and, and are looking forward to what you've just experienced, getting back to a live event? What advice do you have for those shooters? Spend some time practicing and, and try to make some co small competitions at home first. Because as I can see right here, what is happening here is many archers, they, they have been home, maybe locked down, so they haven't really been able to practice a lot. And, and that's reflecting the score. Um, and, and they don't have the tournament pressure. So they are kind of like nervous. As I was saying that I felt the same. I was kind of like nervous in the beginning. And I think it will help just to have some smaller local tournaments to start with and then go to the bigger ones kind of afterwards. Cause if you, if you go straight to the big one, you might get too nervous and, and it will, it won't be any good, good trip to go there. World champion Stefan Hansen, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you.